Hey, alright, and welcome to Better Yet. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet is a conversation that started in 2016, and it's a conversation that continues today with my guest, Greg Obis of Stuck. Stuck, one of my favorite bands in the city of Chicago. Greg also has a distinguished pedigree in the Chicago music scene as a former member of Yeesh and Clearance. Greg is also a mastering engineer at Chicago Mastering Service. So much fun stuff for us to dig into. Thank you for joining us. My name is Tim Crisp. I'm the host of this podcast. I'm also a full-stack developer. You can check out my latest development project, Riffin. Riffin Riffin.io is a guitar tablature sketch pad. If you learned how to play guitar like everyone on our development team did, use guitar tabs from ultimateguitar.com, 911 tabs. And if you've ever tried to create your own tabs on one of those websites, well, you know that they're editors, well, they kind of suck. So we built a place to create and store your own tabs, just a good editor for you to work with your ideas. Check it out. Sign up for an account at riffin.io. We're in our production stage right now. So sign up, play around with it, try to break it. Drop your feedback, positive or negative. It's all part of the process. Riffin.io. We are emanating from Valparaiso, Indiana. From Valparaiso, Indiana, the home of Better Yet since October 2020. And we're excited to be including a member of our community here in Valparaiso, my favorite coffee roaster in town, Dagger Mountain Roaster. Dagger Mountain roasts the best coffee in town. I came to Dagger Mountain the day we moved here, and we have never looked back. They've got a beautiful cafe here in Valpo. They extended their space in 2021. Beautiful shop with high ceilings and big windows. I love going there. Love bringing my friends from out of town. It's a completely vegan cafe. And the homie Dan, the lead roaster, is a drum barrel wizard. He roasts outstanding coffee on a 15-kilo probat coffee roaster. I'm drinking a cup of their current offering from Ethiopia, a natural process Kareme varietal from the Guji region of Ethiopia, the birthplace of coffee. If you're looking for something to expand your coffee palate, something that can help propel you to write pages of heartfelt copy to read on air, or if you're just like me and you gotta have your coffee in the morning, this Ethiopian Gucci Kareme is great on AeroPress, it's great on a V60, it's great in your automatic coffee maker, and I'm pleased to tell you all about it. Have the chance to tell you every single week now on this podcast about Dagger Mountain in Valparaiso, Indiana. Check it out at Dagger Mountain on social media. That's at Dagger MTN. DaggerMountain.com is where you can go to order online. No discount code. Nothing like that yet. This is more of a chance to, you know, try something new, see what happens. So if you need to re-up on coffee beans and you think, hey, this would be a good chance to try some new coffee and maybe we can give our buddy Tim a little boost in confidence as he's taking a chance on a new thing, having a sponsor on the show. So no discount codes, but when you're ordering your coffee from DaggerMountain.com, 
Maybe leave a little note. Say that Tim sent you. Or, you know, Dan the Roaster. You played in that band Native? Old Top Shelf Records band? So maybe you could leave a note like, Wrestling Moves is underrated! Or, I can't believe the person who roasted my coffee did a split with Latrec, Mans, and Lion of the North. That's DaggerMountainCoffee.com. However you want to play the exchange, visit DaggerMountain.com. Bye. However you want to play the exchange, visit DaggerMountain.com and buy a bag of coffee from some friends in our community. Pretty cool, y'all. I was working as a coffee roaster in 2016 when I started this podcast looking for a new creative project. So started interviewing people, people like Greg from Stuck, people who inspire me to do good work. And I invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Follow us on Bandcamp, bettyatpodcast.bandcamp.com. Check out our website, bettyatpod.com. Bettyatpod.com is where you're going to be able to find every episode of this podcast on our website, bettyatpod.com. If you're in a band or you run a label and you think, hey, I like this Greg Obis guy at Chicago Mastering Service, you can look at his list of 125 credits on Discogs, and you can go to betteryetpod.com and listen to half a dozen conversations with people who have collaborated with Greg, Better Yet Hall of Famer Namdi, First Ballot Hall of Famer Chris Sutter. I can't believe he's not in the Hall of Fame yet. Betteryetpod.com is where you can find each episode of Better Yet, each episode of As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, 168 episodes of me and David Anthony talking about every single Alkaline Trio song. Road to the Skeleton Coast with Brendan Kelly. Me and Brendan Kelly from the Lawrence Arms and the Falcon and Slapstick and the Broadways. We're talking about every single record that Brendan has ever been a part of for hours on a time. If you check out Road to the Skeleton Coast and Life's Work a podcast that I co-produce with Mike Campbell and Joe Steinhardt at Don Giovanni Records to promote the reissue of Laura Stevenson's second album, Sit Resist. Eight episodes that dive into the world that Laura built with a career-defining record, Sit Resist. Laura is a generational talent, and that podcast includes testimony from some of her biggest champions, including Jeff Rosenstock, Chris Gethard, Nina Corcoran of Pitchfork, and Lucy Dacus, who talked to me about being a punk kid in Richmond, Virginia, going to Vinyl Conflict. Shout out to Vinyl Conflict, Richmond, Virginia. Lucy Dacus talked to me about Laura Stevenson, meeting Laura for the first time when she was 16, outside of a show, saying, I write songs too. Laura inspired her. And you guys see the cover of fucking Rolling Stone this week? Lucy Dacus? Phoebe? Julian? Boy Genius taking over? What? I'm going to talk about Laura Stevenson for a second. I went to see Laura and her buddy Jeff play some Neil Young songs at a sold-out Lincoln Hall in Chicago, Illinois. I went with my friend Blind Adam of Blind Adam and the Federal League. We haven't seen each other in years, me and Adam. And I haven't been able to see Laura or Mike or Jeff or Mikey Erg in a long time. A really long time. And, you know, you think about the weeks of production that Mike and Laura and I spent compiling life's work 
then those relationships that we build doing that just blossom through a crazy experience and really just mere chance that brought us together um gave me an opportunity to talk to jeff rosenstock on one of his favorite subjects in the world which is the music of laura stevenson and you know i got to work on that and do something great and honestly we worked together a lot but this was the first time that i got to hug them and just sit with them and gosh darn did it make me happy to just share space with these people together again and then i was treated to some loud rock and roll music from the mikey erg band playing some new songs that they recorded electrical audio with our friend steve albini past and future guest and then i watched laura and jeff play a lot of neil young songs some laura songs some jeff songs i got to let a couple teardrops fly i got to scream along save the day laura needed a tums and i was there at the side of the stage i had the tums and i tossed them to her and she caught it took a tum got that relief tossed it back perfect arc she's she can't do anything wrong this laura stevenson and caught it right there in my hands and the crowd fucking went wild it was a good night good night full band performance of Jeff Laura, Mikey Erg, and the Mikey Erg Band. We play an encore of Ambulance Blues and a lesser-known Neil Young song called um, Keep On Rockin' in the Free World. Best night of my life. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit more than I usually do on the intros here because I you know, I was lucky enough to meet uh, a couple of people who listen to Better Yet and Road to the Skeleton Coast, As You Were, Life's Work, and, you know, people were able to share with me that this has inspired them to do their own creative things. And, you know, that doesn't happen to me much. Um, it's a product of being away, not going out. Um, you know, I was focusing on becoming a software engineer. And I was happy to post last week's episode when I did. Gave me a chance to speak to my audience again. And to be the version of myself that I've put onto record and this podcast, doing it, creating something that I always wanted to listen to myself, I've been able to let the work guide me and to try and do it a little bit better each time. Better yet. <laughs> um Thanks to the people, too, who, who reached out on DM, text, uh, kick-ass music journalists of Twitter who retweeted last week's episode with James Goodson um, and said really kind things about Better Yet, Skeleton Coast, all that stuff. So that stuff is, it's important. If you're listening to this, that stuff's important. They're are a lot of people who inspired me to create and I just use this podcast as an excuse to express my gratitude to all of those people and goes a long way whether you want to start a, a music podcast or you're just some punk kid from Richmond who 
musters up the courage to tell your favorite songwriter that she's a version of yourself that you want to be someday? Anything is possible when there's music involved. Anything. You can always email me, betteryetpodcast at gmail.com, if you've got anything to say. And I'm here for it. And I'm here to help. However, however I can, and if it's just a matter of, of saying what's up, I'd love to hear from you. If you're a music writer and somebody needs to tell you that you got to read George Orwell and you're using too many words and be that person too, um, I'm lucky to be in this spot. Um, and it's... It's something that you don't always get to share as, as a thing that you do by yourself, you know. Um, and there's a lot of great music podcasts out there, and anybody can do it. And in fact, um, I have been working on a music podcast while I've been away. I haven't really had the chance to tell everybody about it, but I've been working with Jeremy Bohm over on the first ever podcast i'm editing jeremy's interviews you know jeremy of course from his interview on the better yet podcast and his appearances on as you were and he's also in bands touche more hesitation wounds he's a poet he runs a record label secret voice and i mean he produced one of the best records of the past five years burnt sugar by Gaujaway. and he's been hosting this first ever podcast since 2020 so you got a lot of catching up to do if you've been feeling like there's a better yet void that you haven't filled. There's been all this first ever podcast stuff. Episode 128 dropped this week. An interview with Scott Vogel of Terror, the great hardcore heroes. You can listen to Jeremy talk to Scott Vogel about finding the underground, getting into punk and hardcore, living and working in that world. Terror is such an inspiring band. Jeremy and Scott are birthday buddies, so they share a lot of the same passions. And as someone who's always looked up to Jeremy as a writer, as a label owner, and as someone who really feels a part of the community that Jeremy has built, it's very cool to listen to him talk to someone who's inspired him. And Jeremy's also got something to celebrate this week. He recorded his first live episode of the first ever podcast with Justin Pearson of The Locust. And as someone who's done a live episode or two myself, I invited myself onto the first ever podcast. It's the debut of producer Tim this week. Really an excuse to do what I did when I had my first live show, which was to have David Anthony on the pod a couple days after, just so that I could talk about you know, the live episode that we did, episode 66 of the podcast, available in our archives at bettyetpod.com. And, you know, David, he always was there for me with this show uh, when it came to just being able to share in the excitement. And our live show was such a wild experience. And I got to hear some fun stories from Jeremy and, you know, shared fun stories from that night about... You know, interviewing Deanna Bellos of Sincere Engineer was also a guest on the first ever podcast a couple months ago. And Deanna, if she's known for one thing other than Sincere Engineer, it's for being super chill and never being flustered by public speaking. So that was a fun 
uh, time to to share with Jeremy of um, Deanna just doing such a great job of initiating a super super fun and and magical night that I'll never forget and and Jeremy has his own um, to, to to share with all of you in in the coming weeks. Um, listen to the first ever podcast wherever you get your podcasts. First ever pod on Twitter. It's been really fun working with Jeremy for the past 18 months. Been editing this show since before I enrolled in General Assembly Software Engineering Immersive. And it's pretty fun the way a program like the one that I just did, this development boot camp, um, you know, a program like that can affect your whole way of thinking. And it certainly changed my approach to audio engineering and production. I've been using the same computer science principles I learned in my cohort to create a better workflow when I produce these sessions in Logic. I was a self-taught audio engineer, started with borrowed equipment and open source digital audio software. First it was Audacity, then GarageBand, and then it was Logic. And it's not like it was hard to figure out how to, you know, put sessions together, but learning about software engineering got me interested for the first time in what I could do to create a better workflow. And now I'm using this interface and the functions and automation, key commands, downloading zip files and using the terminal to send the extracted files into the right folders, just avoiding all of that clicking and dragging and dropping and fucking feel like a programmer out here. I never thought about this stuff before, but going through that General Assembly cohort, learning about what it takes to write a function that not only works, but one that's readable to the other software engineers who are working on it and interacting with it, knowing what that takes to compile all that software into an interface just made me want to play with the interface and see what was in there. See how the software engineers who built this version of Logic Pro X, it's obviously intuitive enough for me to understand it well, but you know, I'm passing the signal from input to output, might as well work smarter and more efficiently, right? I, I am an analog person, just like Steve Albini, but Steve Albini actually taught me so much in our conversation back in 2019 about how to engineer audio and problem solve. Steve Albini, along with engineering Jason Molina Records and In Utero and... Um, that Pixie song that Orange Cassidy used as his entrance music on All Elite Wrestling every week until recently. And Steve Albini's maybe the smartest person I've ever met, right? And we talk about Steve in the episode today, but I actually listened back to our interview from 2019 and was reminded that his father was part of the big wave of advancement in computer science and was an early Fortran developer. And Steve, just in talking about his background, talked about his dad, who Steve referred to as the smartest person he'd ever met. And Steve is probably the smartest person I've ever met. 
Um, it's interesting looking back. You know, computers scare me. They still kind of scare me. But Steve sort of explained the principles of engineering that could be understood just by thinking about how to position the microphone the right way. It's powerful stuff available in our archives. But And it, and it just so happened, too, that I logged back on to Twitter for the first time in a long time at Better Yet Pod, and I hadn't been on Twitter in so long, so it was pretty funny to see Albini was in the news tweeting about Steely Dan, like, just getting caught up in the algorithm, and you know, I thought so much about Steve Albini records when I was learning how to code at General Assembly, when I was becoming a full-stack developer, that I kind of completely forgot about what he said uh, in our interview about Twitter. So I just kind of want to play this clip here to share it with you all. I have a Twitter account. I, my Twitter account is private so that I don't get my... I, I just want to be able to talk shit about people and not get written up in pitchfork. Right, so, right. Uh, Can I follow you? Will you no. accept that? Uh, oh, that's cool. Basically, I have... There's like nine people that follow. They're like uh-huh. friend, people that I know that are friends of mine. It's like an extended... I'm going to ask you thing. again at the end of this interview because I think yeah. we're getting there. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, uh, somehow Twitter has decided that it, that it should show me posts about uh professional wrestling. Yeah. Which uh, is baffling to me. I have always hated professional wrestling. I've never expressed an opinion about wrestling oh, other you than Oh, you just you just haven't seen the right wrestling. Well, you came to the right place. Uh, I'm fine without. I'm all fine right. be- remaining unenlightened. You see John Cena up on the wall there? All right, anyway, okay. I'm, I'm uh, distracted. So, the, apparently there's some weird progressive politics um pro wrestling nexus that i was unaware of and yeah. somehow yeah. somehow i've you know like um, there's a tendril of that that's attached itself to me somehow i don't i don't get it but the, oh, uncle yeah mm-hmm. uncle steve i know i i know how the algorithms work a software engineer steve i got some ideas got some ideas let's talk email me steve better yet podcast at gmail.com i love to collaborate but hey enough about me let me introduce you to my guest this week. Greg Obis is the founding member of Stuck. Stuck released their debut LP in 2020. That record is called Change is Bad, and it really, really had an impact in the Chicago music scene, and deservedly so. Stuck plays some really inventive post-punk that's rooted in that austere sound of Wire and Gang of Four, but also you know that kinetic weirdness of Devo, Stuck's a rhythmically fascinating band, and the songs that they play, they're familiar, but they're never obvious. And fucking, that's because Greg's a great musician that puts a lot of care into his work, both with Stuck and as a mastering engineer at Chicago Mastering Service. Great insight into what mastering is. So much good stuff in this conversation. So let's get to it. Here's me and Greg Obis. Greg Ovis is on the show. Greg, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing, Tim? Dude, I'm doing good. I'm so excited that I could, that I could have you on. Chris Sutter of Meatwave was on recently, and Tim's artwork came up. Your band came up. Perfect excuse to freaking talk. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm wearing my we, the the people can't see it, but I'm wearing oh my, my goodness, wearing my Meatwave hat right now. You're riding the wave. Riding the wave. <laughs> Where did you grow up? 
Um, I'm from Oak Park originally, so not not oh, far. Okay. Home of? Uh, what is Oak Park the home of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, I'm so He's glad you asked. He's on the wall. <laughs> He's on the wall. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dan Castanella or Hemingway. Hemingway. Okay, cool. Yeah, that was that was another. Yeah, that was that was my one of my other ones. But yeah, <laughs> you got you got Dan Castanella from The Simpsons. You got uh, Hemingway. You got. Uh, I don't know if he's like from Oak Park, but I know that Ludacris went to OPRF, the local high school. Um, All right, so we do have like some positivity in that line because I don't know if you've ever heard Dan Castellaneta talk, but that guy is such a bummer. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever like heard him outside of the, uh, you know, uh, outside of The Simpsons. I watched his ins. I watched the like Simpsons inside the actor's studio because that's what one does when they have insomnia, and <laughs> man. Everybody was so positive, and I mean, I, I say this as a depressive myself. Dan Castellaneta gets the blues big time. Is what I got. Yeah, yeah, I yeah that that's. <laughs> I, I guess that doesn't totally surprise me. I don't know why that makes, seems like it could make sense. Was there music in the house when you were growing up? Yes, uh, a lot. Um, so yeah, I I'm the youngest of six boys, and I so and so I, that means I have like five older brothers, um, mm-hmm. and. Like my parents were into music when uh I was young. I mean, you know, they they had like, you know, um their they, they they definitely liked music and, you know, it was like a part of their lives, but I don't think it was like the main focus of their lives by any means. I mean, I don't know, my mom like played cello and like when she was younger she played play guitar and she was very adamant about like all of us like taking like cello lessons or piano lessons or things when we were like little. Um oh, yeah. and but yeah, I don't think it was like I don't know. I don't think it was like um, you know, she was like a, a physician's assistant assistant, so it's not like it was like mm-hmm. a super super crunchy household or anything like that. But um my you old kind of had like some musical training. Yeah, I I mean a lot of, uh, I I had like none, but cuz like uh-huh. the thing is so like with my family like I when I was I so with my oldest brothers like they my parents were very you know a lot more like strict with them like okay you gotta have Mm -hmm. you know like only play wooden toys and like you know no tv and you know have to like practice cello and all that stuff and by the time they got to me they're like we don't care like play video games all the time eat sugary cereal whatever um I remember uh reading a David Sedaris story about his youngest brother and it was like by the time it got to uh, the rooster, which was his name, I believe. It was like, please don't smoke pot in the house when we're here, as opposed <laughs> to like the. St- <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much that's pretty much how that went down. Um, but yeah, my my oldest brother Nick, who still lives in Chicago, he like was like somehow I don't know like I I, I don't I, I don't know like for some reason like made it his mission to like find out about like you know every cool band and was like listening to like you know I don't know Nirvana or. Allison Chains or Soul Coughing or I don't know I might mm. maybe maybe he wasn't into all all those bands specifically but like I think he kind of like set like a trend uh him and my brother Quentin second oldest like kind of like set in motion like uh music being really important for all of my brothers growing up and so um and like you know listening to like Q101 and stuff like that and so and so for me when I was little it's like you know I just like that I remember, like some of my earliest memories are like I don't know, Smashing Pumpkins or Alice in Chains or things like that, which is yeah. it's pretty cool. I'm like I'm like really gra- grateful I got to have you know um, so many cool uh, brothers and like pushing cool music on me. You get to just like 
pick up all the pieces. It's all kind of like set for you. You get, I mean, I'm sure that you could probably have fallen, followed like the athletic path or like, you know, different ones, but the music ones are the, are the cool ones. Incredible stuff. Do you remember the first time you found something like on your own that you could show to them? Um, ooh, that's a good point, actually, or a good question. I hadn't, like, I mean, there's certainly, like, the first things that, like, I felt like I owned that were, like, my bands were, like, Incubus was, like, the first one, I think, which was, yeah. like, I guess, like, that, and that was shown to me my, by my brother, Paul. Like, he, we went to, like, a Best Buy, and I, I just remember him being, like, here, like, buy the CD, you'll like this. And, mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. and, 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 but that was, like, a thing where it was, like, it was, I, I felt like it was, like, more my band than anybody else's. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think of like the first thing that was like my thing that I showed to other people. I mean, that's a tall order. Like, yeah, I so mean, beyond beyond Incubus, like, you know, what kind of what kind of stuff were you, I guess, getting excited about in that teenage way? Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, when I was a little kid, I mean, I guess like when when I was once I was a teenager, I I don't know. It's really weird to think about that. That I I think I reflect on this a lot, especially like in my teenage years, because like the dissonance of like good stuff and bad stuff that i was listening to at the time yeah. is so intense because like i when i was uh really young my brother quentin got bought me a copy of like daydream nation and 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 i also remember him buying me a, a copy of like murray street and like yee hotel foxtrot and so those those records mm-hmm. are really important to me and i also remember listening to like um i don't know like hoobastank and um what I, i'm trying to remember, like they're just like you know the, that radio like, some, rock era was like it was full of, yeah, that's kind of like flabby, mm-hmm. like post new metal. What are we even like? Yeah, right. Here for it was it was interesting because like I feel like Incubus was a band that like really shifted along with that time those times, and Hoobastank did as well because I felt like you know in two thousand and one it was like they were kind of a punk band, and then I don't know what they were doing later on. Yeah, right. Yeah, <clears throat> I I mean yeah, Incubus is. I it's not something I ever like go out of my way to listen to now, but like when I do, when it does come on, or like every from like everyone's like I don't know, I'm listening to like Morning View and like try to remember what this sounds like. I'm like, oh yeah. yeah, like I can see why I liked this, you know, and I can see why this was appealing to me, even if it's not something I like necessarily seek out now. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I try not to have like too many guilty pleasures, but definitely like with age, there's certain things that like I was like really into why uh mm. like when i was mm-hmm. a senior in high school and i gotta say like every time i come back to it i find like less in it um i don't know if, and I, I don't know if that's because like i was like re- i really like it's all i listened to probably for like a couple of years um <laughs> and like maybe there's i just like you Dude, know why is such a great band for when you're like 22 and you're in your head yeah right exactly mm-hmm. which is like i think why there's value in um always returning to that <laughs> right yeah totally if you need to um but like let's let's shift what's your favorite song off uh yankee hotel foxtrot um ooh, i don't know uh i'm trying uh i oh you know i don't know i i um sorry i'm stumbling a lot i mean i want to say jesus etc because that song is just kind of like a masterpiece but um i i think i had like war on war in my head the other day and i was like really war like so good such a great song i i, I was like kind of dwelling on that as well um yeah i don't like um i haven't like spent a lot of time with wilco recently um but yeah i don't know that's uh, yeah that was definitely like a big record for me when i was growing up we did the uh yankee hotel fox shot 
comp a couple years ago. I don't know if you've heard the Meat Wave version of War on War, but when oh, I right. yeah. found, when I talked to Chris about it, I was like, are you into Wilco? And he said, kind of. And I said, I want you to do this specific song and make it sound like a Meat Wave song. <laughs> and he said, cool. And then he sent it and it sounds like a Meat Wave song. Yeah. Right, yeah, that's definitely that. That definitely like does lend itself to their to their abilities for sure. So, did you go to college? I did. Yeah, I went to Bennington College, which is a tiny liberal arts school in northeast. Um, it, it yeah, in in Vermont. Yeah. It's like um, it's like seven hundred kids on a good day, or at least like it was when I was there. Whoa. Um, yeah, it's it's itty bitty. Um, but my best friend or one of my best friends in high school. Emmett Penny, he uh, went there, and uh, and like he was, um, and and I don't know. I think I, I think I just like visited him in college, and like I did. Mm-hmm. I was really bad in high school. I did terribly. Um, mm-hmm. I went to Ignatius, um, and uh, which is like which was way harder than Bennington was. It's crazy. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it was like yeah. Uh, Ignatius was like really challenging, and and it, Bennington was kind of a cakewalk by comparison. Um, and uh but yeah he went there and i visited him and i just kind of like fell in love with it like when i was there and i I wasn't like uh it was like you know kind of like a i don't know uh i was you know kind of a creative teen and so i think i was you know um it was i i feel like i got in relatively easily and i only applied to like three colleges so i i think as soon as like they accepted me i was like yeah i want to be here and i'm like i'm glad i went there i like um what'd you study I studied music stuff. Um, it's so like they don't have like um, you, you don't really you when you graduate you just uh, graduate with like a bachelor of the arts is like just uh-huh. like that's what your diploma says no matter what you do. Um, and so I love this place. Yeah, right. Exactly. Freaking liberal arts colleges. <laughs> yeah, give it to me. It's not like the most extreme like liberal mm-hmm. arts college, but it's it's up there. Um, yeah. In terms of just like looseness and. Um, like you know, you didn't. You only got letter grades if you wanted to, which I did because I w- went to a Catholic prep school and I couldn't like know where I was Please, at unless like, I got validate or shame me. I don't care. <laughs> yes. Acknowledge me. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And like, so yeah, that's 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 what I did. But yeah, I studied. Um, like I wouldn't. I don't. I didn't, anyways, I didn't like study at any like one thing, but just like music composition and um, music theory. And recording um, is like the things I spent my most time with. I honestly like spent mo- the things that I was like most interested at the time were like recording and um, uh, theory, which is weird because I haven't like used any. I was like I haven't used any theory. Well, f- I mean it was weird because like first of all I hated music theory in high school and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, and like when I was growing up and did everything I could to, to not learn it. And then <clears throat> I like got really into it there and was like very into like you know like analyzing like. Bach chorales and you know and you know stuff like that and taking like advanced theory classes and then and then once I graduated I didn't do anything with it and I (laughs) I haven't like since it's just like totally like an atrophied part of my brain but I think I like I did internalize a lot of things that I think do come through now and stuck because like I think that like the best thing about music theory is that like you learn like I don't think like I knew that I was like playing like essentially like one, four, five for like my entire life, um, you know, right. like corporations right. and then just like having that kind of like pointed out to me and learning how, you know, uh, ingrained that is into like, you know, Western music, uh, like well, I was like Western everything. It's the Pythagorean yeah. theorem. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so like learning, knowing that a lot, like, I think like allowed me to kind of like branch out and try to find different, you know, 
uh, ways to, you know, write around that and, or, or just like, you know, fully break it by trying to be, you know, as distant as, as you can. And that's like, that stuff has like a lot right. of traction in, in the band now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's dissonant. And yeah, it, it is that ability to like fully break something and then kind of put the stacks back together. I, I'm interested in music theory. I just kind of from that discovery of like the, the philosophical ties to it and like the, you know, understanding of the world that is just tied up in, you know, that, those ratios, um, did it affect like I kind of I'm ju jumping ahead a little bit, but like I'm a big fan of like the rhythmic patterns that you have in Stuck. Is that something that kind of stems back from music theory? I'm sure that there's obviously Tim is a drummer. And, yes. Yeah. But... Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. No. I I think that um I mean the way that most of the Stuck songs get written, um and I should I like not all of them like we do write collaboratively, but like a good chunk of the music that gets written is like done by me at home where like, and I, and I pretty much always start with, um, or I would say like 80% of the time, like any song or demo starts with drums and bass. So that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of like, and then the, the guitar stuff just kind of gets written on top of it. Um, <clears throat> and, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I definitely, I don't know. I mean, I definitely did take, um, you know, percussion and rhythm, like, seriously in college. I, I took a, at least one class with Milford Graves, who was uh, a professor there then. Um, Wait, I know that name. Who's Milford Graves? He, he He's, like, a, a, he recently died. Um, yeah. Uh, but he um, was, he was a, like, a really big, important part of, like, the free jazz scene in New York in, like, the 1970s. Right. Um, okay, and, down, yeah, 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 like, downtown. Was he mixed in with, like, like filled glass too not really um I, oh, okay i i i'm like embarrassed okay. i know like embarrassed i, I derailed but yeah <laughs> milford milford graves jazz 70s new york mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and he's, a, he's a percussionist yeah he he's actually like a fascinating person and was like fascinating to be in a class with because he's like his whole thing is like he's a master um uh you know uh master drummer and percussionist and also mm. he was also a master of uh martial arts and acupuncture yeah. and medicine yes. and mm -hmm. and and like uh was um always finding ways to bring all of those things together like into one uh -huh. like unified theory of like the world and like i don't know there you like if you you can find like there's a documentary about him that i'm blanking on the name of this i like, have to watch this yeah this this all really really tracks because i've been looking at stuck and i've just been seeing like concept 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 mm -hmm. yeah th i mean I, I i don't know if i would i don't know if i'd uh, i'd go as far to say as like i mean i'm milford i just like milford's like the highest yeah, yeah, echelon yeah. Of, of like uh i don't know being on the planet or um or whatever <laughs> but but yeah i definitely like the co conceptual stuff is like really important to the band for me i think that um i don't know i just i just think that like uh you know i used to be in that band yeesh and um <laughs> yeah i was you beat me to the point of <laughs> yes you do like to play rhythmic yeah. bass yes i do yeah yeah right yeah and i'm like i'm like a more of a bass player than a guitar player really but um, Dude, I forgot you were in Yeesh. It stuck him out, <laughs> and it wasn't until I looked in a little bit more and realized that you were in Yeesh. Like, <sighs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I loved that band. Thank you, thanks so much. That means a lot to hear that. Yeah, yeah I, I love that band too. And 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 Peter and Alex and I are, are still 
uh, you know, good friends and, you know, talking text all the time, which reminds me, I have to text Peter later um, right. but, uh, about something else. Um, but yeah, we, um, I don't know. I think, I think that like in that band, we were always like trying to strive towards like an album that felt like a full, fully realized concept from start to finish. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, and I don't think we ever quite got there or like got as close to that as like we ever really wanted to. And so, I don't know. I think that like, just I um when I, I I think just like when Stuck was starting as a band, I was like, it's not like every song is like <clears throat> you know, I'm like I have like have like a spreadsheet where like I'm gonna write a song about this and then I'm gonna write a song about this. But like <laughs> I I think that like you like you know, I'm writing the songs and they're usually coming from like the same headspace. <clears throat> and then I can kind of like find the ways like to that those things like ha- like the the themes that they have in common and then I can kind of like as I'm working on the lyrics kind of like highlight you know, like highlight yeah, things, reuse yeah. ideas, um, and that kind of like brings together, like just makes it feel a little bit more like congealed. And um, I don't know. I, I think also a big part of that is because I I hate writing lyrics. It's my least favorite part uh-huh. of, of of being in a band. And um, uh, actually, no, it's not true. So my, I mean, like probably like doing all the get, getting people to listen to your music is the, is the worst part. Um, but uh, the but it's like it's 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 low on my. Uh, uh, my tears. Um, and mm-hmm. I, and so I think that like a lot of the time it is just like, okay, like I, you know, I'm like writing, uh, all, all the songs kind of at once. And like, you know, and probably like in the span of like a couple months after recording and stuff. And then I'm like, I think a lot of the same ideas just kind of like come out. Just, just like what I have. Yeah. Yeah. No, what I have like sense. in my mind at the time. Yeah. And I look at like, especially the early stuff and I look like the, the abstract language and I guess, my my read on it was like this feels like it's for it's for a purpose it does this feels not depersonal but mm-hmm. it's detached yeah totally yeah i think that um i mean especially with that first record um i remember i yeah i i just feel like the um yeah i remember talking to to david uh, uh algrim sorry i always mispronounce mm-hmm. his last name and it's kind of a bit between us <laughs> Algorithm, um, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm losing track, but I, I remember just kind of like <laughs> all that, all that, the concepts for like change is bad kind of coming together all at once where it was just like, okay, like, I don't know, just like, like, you know, I, I lost both of my parents in like pretty back to back in 2015 mm. and 2017. And then mm. this was like in the run up, uh, to, this was just like, you know, right around like the, uh, uh, you know, like Trump had just been elected, and and you uh, and I was like, we were watching like yeah. the 2020 uh-huh. campaign ramp up, and like you know, I was like very hype on Bernie at the time, and like then seeing all of like the like uh, you know Joe Biden, who's like you know the the nothing will fundamentally change candidate, um, mm-hmm. and just kind of like the uh you know change is bad kind of became this it was kind of like funny way to rephrase that kind of you know. Uh, like line of thinking that um, most of the uh, democratic candidates were, were giving and try to tie that idea in with like, like my parents, my parents just died. Like my life just radically changed. Like both of these things suck. Like, you know, um, and like, and just, like, like, I just want like some sort of like normalcy and just like to stop feeling all this turmoil. And it kind of became like a way to sort of like do the like Fugazi personalist political thing. Right. Right. God. And it's just like the, demented energy that goes into it and i hope you know that that's 
mean that in the best sense possible because like the music that you make it comes from that that line of like gang for wire devo like everything is fucking crazy and i don't know i devo is big for you i would think right yeah absolutely just with the way you say you ate a whole pot brownie (laughs) yeah right yeah yeah i i I love devo they're they're huge i they were kind of like a late discovery in life Mm -hmm. for me like I, i don't you know i think that they're just like one of those bands that you don't really like take seriously until like i think when you're young you just think it's like a silly thing and then as you whip it and then right even like no go ahead i'm agreeing with you whip it's such a perfect song i love that Uh, song but um and like i I don't like i i don't take it with any ounce of irony anymore even though i know it's supposed to be like deeply ironic yeah it's so it's so fucking good yeah my um my brother and i were uh together recently and we were watching tv and um we're, we're pretty different people but we're getting to know each other a lot better as we get older and um he he was like see people don't take cartoons seriously like um you put on rugrats that stuff was brilliant and i was like dude i told you to get the devo box set that's mark's mark mother's box yeah think you're talking to <laughs> right yeah yeah totally <laughs> Yeah, I mean they they were they were like you know, yeah they they're 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 huge and and I, I think just like day like I I I I'm thinking I'm like constantly like discovering how much you know um uh you know like they mean to me in terms of like both like their you know political ideas and like you know ideology and 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 also just like the the in, like totally bananas like stunts they would pull um mm-hmm. like they would like mm-hmm. uh. I, I can't. I, I they 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 would go on tour and put on disguises and open for themselves as a Christian rock band until they got booed off stage. Incredible! <laughs> like it's just they're so incredible, so goofy. Um, yeah, I and they probably got paid twice. Probably, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're just an in, incredible band, and um, yeah, and and just like also. Yeah, just deeply the, uh, subversive. I, I think it's like deeply subversive, and it does take a a number of rounds. I think if you're of our age to like get past the layers of like even like are we you know we are are we not men? We are Devo. It's like this is goofy. And it's like no, this is fucking seedy. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, and also just like yeah, even like all just like, all of, like the synth stuff that they were doing at the time and like i don't know just like really pioneering like you know being like a you know weird synth rock band um just the, yeah there's like i don't know just like a perfect band there's just like they just didn't miss I, I saw them at riot fest um when they played in 2021 and um it was yeah. it was like a magical moment i was doing i was doing sound for milk belly so i i got i got in for free oh i, I cool. got to see devo I got to see Devo and Slipknot in the same day. That was crazy. <laughs> Slipknot was one of the best live shows I've ever seen. It, and people bemoan festival culture. <laughs> yeah, where are you gonna where are you gonna do that? Um and I got to see Muckbelly. Um Best but, band on the planet. Yes, I'm 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 a massive Muckbelly fan. Um and, and and their friends, so I'm I'm grateful for that. So you come back and you come back from college and you're playing in Yeesh. You're in. You're playing in Clearance still. Mm-hmm. How did Clearance start? Um, Clearance started. Um, it was always just kind of like the. Well, I guess like I don't know. I 
I, I'm going to mess up the deep lore here and, and hopefully nobody gets mad at me, but Clearance was like a band that um, Mike Bellis and Arthur Velez started at um, U of M when they were in college and then both of them moved to Chicago and um, Mike asked if I wanted to start playing in the band and we we went to high school together, um, mm-hmm. but we weren't really super friends in high school, like I mean, we just weren't friends. Um, we, we never like, like hung out or whatever. Um, but, uh, I, then, but but when we were in college, I think we realized that, I think we like were reading our band could be your life, like at like exactly Mm -hmm. the same time. (laughs) And then I think we got totally like obsessed with like the replacements and like, you know, um, all those bands at at the same time. And so, and then I, and then like when we came back, he asked me to be in the band and, and I, and I joined and then Kevin Fairbairn, um, joined, uh, like, I don't know, maybe like a few months into that being a band or something. It's, yeah. it's one of those things that's like, uh, it's hard to tell time because it's, it's such a long time ago. Also, like, time feels so much longer. Like, the first, like, nine months that I was out of college felt like 10 years. I don't know. Um, it's uh, wild. It was yeah. a wild time. I feel, I feel like the first, yeah. I actually fully agree with what you said. It just took me a while to absorb it because it was, like, so wild. Yeah. Um, but you you ended up like you ended up at Electrical Audio. You were working with uh, past and future guest Steve Albini. Mm-hmm. How'd you end up there? Well, I, I actually I actually only um, I actually did an I only did an internship at Electrical, and that was in 2011. So that was actually before yeah. I graduated. Um, oh, okay. So that um, was your internship. That was oh, an internship. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. So you, was your was the plan? I guess for you to just like. Kind of come back and then get in that scene, play in bands, record. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I think that, um, I mean, my impetus to move. So, like, my mom got diagnosed with breast cancer again when mm-hmm. I was in, in like, 2011, 2012. And I think, like, before that, I was, like, I was, I think, I think I was, like, probably going to move to New York City because um, I had done, like, an internship there, too, um, and really liked it. And then Yeesh, which had started, that band started in college as well, me and Alex and Pete. And like, and when my mom got sick again, I was like, I am going, going to move to Chicago. And like that, mm. just to be mm. with my family. And Alex and Pete were like, well, like we want to continue the band. So we're just going to move to Chicago too. So, so that's like how all of us oh, went, wound up amazing. being here. Yeah. And we, we all lived together and, and stuff. But yeah, I think that like, I don't think I really had, um, I don't think I was like necessarily. I, I I I don't know. I think like my main reason for coming back to Chicago was just like to be around my family. But then yeah, it's like once I got to be around Alex and Pete and you know be in Yish all the time, as well as as well as like you know being clearance all the time, which I think like took more of like a center stage like later in my twenties. Um, uh, you know that's yeah. I that was kind of just like what happened. I just like wanted to yeah, kind of knock around and uh, play in bands and and record bands and stuff and yeah i don't know it's been i'm like grateful for uh the opportunities i've had in chicago i i i I, I, like i take it for granted sometimes but um like the the it's really cool like i looked at your timeline to just you know you start out at electrical and steve is like the smartest person i've ever met yeah truly (laughs) um and then and then you end up at chicago mastering service with bob weston Mm -hmm. how did how did that come to be um that so that was um like i guess like right when i graduated i i got an internship at um uh lincoln hall uh which 
which was funny because like my my immediate boss there was Nick Mayer from Bric a Brac, um, <laughs> and 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 it's very funny to think about at the time. Um, and uh, he, but yeah, I like I I think like one of the first shows that I worked there was um, like two nights where Shellac was playing. Oh, um, cool. And so, oh, I, 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 I got to start earlier than that, actually. Okay, uh-huh. rewind. I graduate from college. I'm looking for internships before I get an internship at, at Lincoln Hall. I contact Chicago Mastering Service because I'm like a, a massive Shellac nerd at the time. Um, uh-huh. And still am. Um, and, uh, and so I, I contact C- uh, Chicago Mastering and ask for an internship. And they're like, no, but if you want to take a tour of the studio, you can. And so I go and I, I take a tour of the studio. I meet like Bob and J- Jason Ward and Andrew and and um, like, you know, just kind of take a tour. And, and that's that. And then a few months go by. I'm working at Lincoln Hall as an intern. Uh, Shellac plays there for two nights. And I I see Bob and, and I said hi to him just to, you know, be friendly mm-hmm. and, you know, like, you know, and, and all that. And and he was like, uh, at, at, at some point was like, oh, by the way, like, I think we're looking for somebody to like, you know, get groceries and do like really, you know, and like mop the floors and stuff at the studio. So if you want to come in like one day a week, you can do that. And then after me, like, and then I was like, cool. And then, um, I, and then he like, I emailed him about it and he like, didn't get back to me for like, I don't know, several weeks. And then I think after like a full month, I like, he was like, all right, fine. Just like come, come over there. And then, and then I've just kind of been there ever since they like, eventually let me start like mastering stuff. Um, I like, I think the first thing I mastered there was, was the first Yeesh record. And, yeah. and then I did uh, some stuff for the Whistler's record label. I'd like a, the, I uh, did a record for a Bill McKay and Riley Walker, which is like really, Oh hell yeah. That's a great record. It's, that record's it's like, it's like one of my favorite things I've worked on. Yeah. It's like the second thing I mastered. It's crazy. Holy shit. Yeah. So mastering it's, it, it, it feels like such a, dark art like it's it's so removed from the creative process it's rarely discussed i ask musicians about it and they just don't know it's crazy to me that (laughs) that you could do that but like how do you describe it to people you know just what you're what you do yeah i mean i i uh I, i feel like i do a lot or i I feel like I describe it differently every time, but I think generally the idea is that like when you're mixing a song, you're trying to get the, you know, uh, all these, all these different elements in the mix to be sitting well together in a way that's pleasing. And in mastering, you're trying to get all of the songs sitting well together in a way that makes them like, you know, consistent, um, from mm-hmm. start to finish in terms of like not only loudness, but also, you know, uh, just like general dynamics and, you know, sonic profile. And, um, and, and, and then it's all, so like, it's like, that's kind of the, you know, uh, okay, creative yeah, end of it. Yeah. It's just like kind of getting an, an album to like sit together. Right. And then also at the same time, you're trying to make sure that that is going to translate well onto every, you know, car stereo and, and the radio and that it's like going to not be too quiet on Spotify and that it's going to like, you know, your CD is not going to sound fucked up or like, you know, your LP isn't going to sound fucked up. And like, like there, you basically just, there's like a lot of different like knowledge or like weird, like idiosyncrasies for like every format that you have to be keeping in mind. And some of that stuff like does like inform like the creative side, you know, it's like, you don't want to have mm-hmm. like, you know, um, I, you know, and it, it, yeah, like you don't, 
yeah, a lot of that stuff, like, inf- like technical stuff, in- informs the creative end of it. And then the creative end of it also informs the technical side, depending on, like, what kind of, yeah. you know, music you're working on. So there's a lot of just kind of, like, ins and outs. And it just, it, I feel like it takes, it's, I, I feel like the reason it's, like, seen as a dark art is because it's, like, incredibly boring in a lot of ways. Um, and that, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, it's, it like, sense. It's, it's, like, a lot of, like, really tiny decisions that you're making that, like, mm. uh, you know, accumulate in these ways that make, you know, huge differences in, in the way it sounds. And so I think it's, like, a little bit hard for certain uh, certain people to just, like, wrap their head around because it's just, like, yeah, it's I don't know. It's, like, a very nuanced craft. Yeah, it feels so abstract, but... I mean, I really like the practicality of mastering because, like, the rate of return has to be so excessive compared to, um, you know, mixing or audio engineering, right? Compared just by nature of it. Do you mean, like, in terms of, like, client getting clients back and stuff? Yeah, it's like you find a person who you like to master your records. You're not, like, shopping for the next one. Right, yeah, totally. I mean, I do... Um, I do say this to people like I was, you know, I think I was talking to, um, you know, uh, yeah, I, 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 I was talking to, to, to somebody to, uh, who was in a band who I really like. And, um, I, and I think like they, they were, uh, sorry, I'm just trying not, not to name names cause I don't want to no, uh, like be, be strange about it, but like Very they, cute. they, they, they always work with like Sarah register and, you know, and I was like, listen, as much as I like want to tell you, like, you know because because sarah's mastered like all their albums for the last like 10 years and, and i was like mm-hmm. as much as i want to tell you like work with me not sarah because i'm your friend i'm like if you have somebody that you like and also sarah registered is fantastic like you know if you have somebody that you like and you like their work like just s- stick with them i don't know like because I, I think there's like you know with mixing it's like yeah i think that you know you want something that's gonna feel different um you know uh, like uh, you know you, you want like your different records to like feel a different way or depending on where like the band is at or or, or whatever mm-hmm. but i don't know i think there's something to be said for like a sense of like consistency from like one mastering person i don't know i think that's maybe that's wrong uh, wrong headed but like i don't know yeah i think that in terms of like that yeah rate of return or whatever like um it is uh yeah i mean people the, the the other interesting thing about mastering is like as opposed to like recording or mixing is like i feel like recording and mixing a record can take like a really long time or or mm-hmm. just be, you know, uh, you know, just like very like intensive. But like me, I'm like, I mastered like, you know, three singles uh, and like one full length today. And then I did. Oh, wow. And, and then I, and I, oh, then I did. That's really interesting. Yeah. And, and then I did like, uh, you know, some like revisions on, I think like three or four other <laughs> full lengths today. Yeah. Like yeah, just yeah. like, it's like you can, you like the you are able to uh like you know get through material generally like a lot, a lot faster than than with mixing i think did you say did you have an interest in this or did you just wind up here and i think it just find yourself liking it yeah i think i just wound up here um I, yeah i mean I, I think that like when i you know when i was like looking for internships at a college and i hit up chicago mastering it's not like I didn't know what mastering was, all I, but I was just mm-hmm. like, you know, well, I knew like conceptually what it was, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know anything about it. And like, I just wanted to learn more about it and I wanted an internship somewhere and I was a huge shellac fan. So, you know, I just kind of wound up there, but I don't, and I, I don't think I like, it became really like, um, something I, uh, really like, uh, was like, I don't know. I think, I think it took like a, a, me being at Chicago mastering for like a few years to really like start to, um, like care, care about it. Um, mm. and now I care about it a lot, <laughs> you know, that's um, good. And, that's and, good. and like, I, I, you know, I, 
it, yeah, I, 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 uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm here. It's, it's just like one of those things where it's like, it, you know, you, I, 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 I think like I, when I, when I got out of college, I really wanted to be a recording engineer, and I, and I think like a, a part of me like still really does want to be like a professional recording engineer like all the time, just because that's like the thing I was like most passionate about. But, um, I. You know, but the, the, there's so much talent in Chicago. It's wild. I mean, I mean, talk about Steve Albini or yeah. like you know, like uh, David Trano, like you know, um, Andrew Humphrey, like you name it. There's like there's just like so many talented engineers here with like their own studios that like I was, uh, you know, I, I I think I think I pr- pretty quickly realized like well, like I'm in this like other totally niche you know aspect of like the music industry and music recording industry that like I can just get really good at this and like you know like let the uh, you know engineers who are uh you know better than me kind of yeah you know yeah, yeah. kind of work with the bands and 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 now all those engineers are my friends so it's great i like you know i work on records for all for all those folks so yeah it feels good dude that's awesome i'm just like really happy to see you like thriving and playing at bands and doing your thing thanks yeah i i'm i'm really grateful to um yeah, I'm I'm grateful to be. I I I feel like I've been really like down on on, on music stuff lately, just because like uh, I'm stressed and there's like a lot of things, different things going on, and like it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough. It's like it's you know there's just like there's just no money and you know it's hard and everybody has to work like really hard and um and uh you know and 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 especially like in the studio world, I think it's like you can get so um trapped in your own head when you're like alone in the studio all day, especially doing mastering. Um and then like and then so, like but like I. I feel like the sense of community is the thing that really kind of always like reels me back in. I, I saw mm-hmm. Bonnie Dune last week um, and um, who I, I um, mastered some stuff for. Um, and uh, they, yeah, I, I went and saw them at the bottle and like, I like, I, I don't think I bought like one drink all night and, but like friends kept on like buying me drinks and then, and then like I got like a ride home from uh, like uh, from uh, you know Sema from Ohm or sorry from uh-huh. um, Phenom and and like and you know and and then I came home and I was like I just had like the most fun night in the world and like everybody was so nice to, nice to yeah. me Dude, <laughs> and like that's and, that's good stuff like yeah. for real breathe that in we got a we got the moon in Aries right now shits on our side um I wa- you've made a comment about not yeesh not fully realizing something and i just i had the love that i have for confirmation bias just take i took that one hard but mm-hmm. um yeah yeesh um you, you feel like didn't didn't get where you were trying to get to well i think that um i think i mean yeah i like i i in in so many words yes i think that um i mean I, i'm really i think that we made like uh, some really great records and, uh, you know, played some really good shows and, you know, I th- like had some like really good opportunities, but I think that, um, uh, yeah, I think that at the time, like we sort of felt like we weren't, I don't think we ever like found or like felt like we found our place in like the, uh, you know, local music scene. And I don't think we totally felt we like, or, or, or like the national music scene. And, and I think that, um, we felt sort of, uh, like out of place at times and there's actually I mean there's a you know the last track so that there, we there's that like kind of posthumous record we did uh, saw mm-hmm. you up there and like the last track victory lap is about um like feeling like out of place and like not knowing what yeah. to do and and like Alex ultimately like deciding to you know kind of stop 
uh, you know, pursuing band stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think, like, I think when I said that earlier, I was more referring to like the fact that like, I don't think we ever like felt like we got like, you know, nailed like a total like concept record or whatever, but like I, yeah. um, um, uh, you didn't get to make the argument. We didn't get to make the argument. No, it's, uh-huh. not, it's true. Yeah. And I, I think that's what like, that's what stung. Cause I, I, I know exactly the feeling that you're describing because I think when Yeesh broke up, it was, like, that was a band that, like, I was talking to David Anthony about, Lior about, we were bummed about it, and, like, and people like Chris, too, like, music folks, too. I don't know, there's, it's a term that gets thrown around a lot, but band's band, but I think specifically in Chicago, like, there was just a a deeper appreciation for the, like, from the bands that were maybe popping off in those scenes a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I think that, um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, it means a lot to hear, to hear you say that and like, yeah, it just, uh, cause I, I think that I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's been long enough that like anytime anybody has even like heard of you, I'm like, oh, that's, yeah, you know, right. cool. Thank you. You know, like, it like makes me, you know, makes me happy that, you know, it had some sort of like, you know, impact or that any, anybody listened to it. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I go back on those records too sometimes. Like, I, I think I listened to Confirmation Bias like relatively recently, and I was like, this holds up, you know. Yeah, um, yeah which it's is good a, shit. yeah, it's in, in a way that I didn't really like think it would. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's like I don't know. It's like doesn't sound like it. It that record could have come out this week. It could have come out in 2012. You know, <laughs> yeah. I think that that's fucking that's where it's at, and like that's why. I don't know. David and I did a list for a podcast um, way back when, and Confirmation Bias was on our, like, 10 best Chicago records. Yeah. Dude, that was so funny when, like, uh, I think it was, like, in 2020 when there was that, like, like best Chicago albums, like, and it was like, uh-huh. that, that reader poll, and it was, like, I think it was, like, so... He- and, like, I think we were, like, in the top 10 or top 20 or something like that. And fucking wild. It was, like, so heavily, I, I think it was so heavily weighted because I think it was, like, Nina Cochran and, like, yeah. Hugo Stanley <laughs> and maybe David that, like, that were on there. So I was, like, we just I got, like, a ton of votes. And, like, I don't know. like, that's awesome that, you know, I that you all think that. But it's just, like, I don't know. It, yeah, it just caught, caught me by surprise is all. So... I so you you talk about like the f- the first stuck songs kind of come out in a you know tough period for you personally um and and they were demos right it was like kind of put together when do um when do Tim and Donnie come in like when does this start to sort of become a project that you want to get off the ground yeah so i think that um uh what happened exactly? I, I, I think so. Yeah. Uh, Yeesh broke up and then clearance broke up. Um, and then I was, uh, and then I'd started, uh, born yesterday records with, uh, Kevin Fairbairn of, of clearance and we were living together. It's a whole other thing. But, um, yeah, I was like, I think I was like kind of, um, and I was also like booking a lot of shows at the time for bands coming through Chicago. And I think that like my main, I I was like, you know, writing demos at home and I wanted to start another band mostly so that like when friends bands would come through and like I couldn't find like an opener, then I could just like, you know, put my band on and, Perfect. you know, like play first 20 exactly. minutes. Yeah, just like let us yeah. totally. And I, and I still want to do that now and I might, um, uh, uh-huh. you should, uh, d- you should. Bands. Yeah. Um, but then, so yeah. And then like, I think at first I started talking to Ben Rudolph from, uh, stress yeah. and uh, friend of the show, too. past and future guest. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I, he was gonna, and it, it was like, 
uh, at first it was me, uh, Britlin, Hanson, Gerard, and then uh, Tim Green. And Tim had just moved to Chicago from Florida. Um, and, uh, and like, and he was friends with both Britlin. Did he and come ben. up with Ben? He didn't, but I think oh, okay. he, he's had, from that. He yeah. lived at Margaritaville. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And so he was, he was like part of that, like Florida crew. Um, oh man, I haven't seen those kids in a long time and I miss them. Yeah. They're, they're all, I love those, all of those guys. Um, but yeah, he, so, so I, and then like, I think that like when Ben, when I was like bringing these like, you know, demos to Ben and Britlin, I was like, you know, I think I was like really into like uh like you know Omni and mm. you know uh Girl Band or then Gila Band and uh or Gila Band and Girl Band um and then you know other stuff and and then I think they were just like you know like Tim's like your guy he's like you know he like, likes all that same stuff and so we I think we like clicked musically really quickly um and then uh like Ben and Britland like wor- didn't work out in the project in the long run and then I think I just like asked Ben Leach from Drool, um, mm-hmm. and uh, like uh, I asked Ben Leach from Drool if he knew any guitar players. I think it was like my my thing was like starting a band is I didn't want to be in a band with like um, anybody that I'd been in a band with before. I just wanted to be like I just want to work with new people. Like you know, I'd, yeah, you know, I I don't want it to sound like other things. So I'm just gonna work with new people. So I just like Ben put me in touch with with Donnie and and like you know we quickly like clicked and then uh, and then I think with david being in the band um i think we were like looking for a bass player for like months and i couldn't find anybody and then and then i think that like david wasn't a bass player um but we i think i just asked him because like we had just he just i was working at sleeping village and he had just started working there and like Mm -hmm. we were friendly and i was i I don't know i can't even remember like how or when i even really asked him about it but like i was just kind of like do you want to do this and he's like yeah sure um i think i think i did that because like I remember, da- I think it was David Trano saying that me and him had like, were like really similar and probably like would be in a band together or something. And I was, and mm. I, I think I remember him saying that like eons ago when like Dave was recording some gentle heat stuff. Um, and, um, uh, but yeah, any, anyway, so yeah, then we, it just kind of like came together. And then I think like the, the, I, and then it was kind of just like, we did like a few shows where it was sort of just like the, I don't know, like we played Ben Griggs basement, like, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. like, like X Halens came through and I got, you know, I was like, cool. Like, you know, my, my new band can play with you at like, you know, sub T downstairs, which is wild. It was, it was, I think it was, might've been Pinko and X Halens and us. Um, and, okay. and, uh, then, and then, and then I think that the, there, there was a show where Lithics was playing at empty bottle and that was like a huge band for us. Um, and Tim and Donnie were like, like Greg, like asked the bottle about like you know playing playing the show, and I was like, I don't want to. Like they're not gonna have us. And then and then they said yes. Um, when I when I when they did you know when I did ask, and then and then like so like once we got onto that show, and like a, another show that we played with like Pool Holograph. Um, it was Pool Holograph, Vivian Lightbody, and um, playing on the third band or fourth band. There was a fourth band. Um, uh, yeah, like the, I wish but, I could help. I uh, I used to have that flyer up here somewhere from that show. Um. Uh. But yeah, people were like really like it, it just like it, it became clear to us that it's like oh we can like you know ask about opening a show at the bottle and they'll take us and like the responses that we were getting for it, 
from people that we played in front of were like like over more positive than anybody was positive about Yeesh. Like yeah, for, yeah. like that. What just to like put it plainly, it's like people were like genuine. I could feel like a genuine sense of excitement from from people like you know about the band like right away. Yeah, and so Dude, I was yes. kind of just like, all right, like I guess I should just like you know start. We should start taking this a bit more seriously, and um, and then yeah, the other thing that was like. A big moment was Tim asked, uh, like, Pyle was coming through Chicago um, on, like, a tour, and Tim was like, like, is it okay if I ask Rick about, like, opening some of these tour dates? And I was like, yeah, but they're going to say no. But if you want to, that's fine. Go ahead. Um, And then then they said yes. So we, like, opened, like, like, like for four, for Pyle for, like, four nights. Um, and then that I, crowd and, probably fucking loved you too. I I think so. I hope so. I don't know. Did that but, get you? You think that led to exploding in sound? I think that definitely. Well, Dan Golden was certainly like oh, aware. Oh, he did Yeesh stuff, like didn't he? He didn't. He didn't put anything out for uh, out that for was Yeesh. Tiny engines, right? Ooh. Tiny engins. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, Yeesh. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, yeah. Dan didn't do anything for for Yeesh. Um. Or should I say, you shouldn't do anything he... for Dan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that that was a Dan band though. That was like that was like Dan was salivating. Uh huh. I that I, band. I, mean, I know that for a fact. Uh huh. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, but but anyways, yeah. He when when we um yeah. I mean, like you know, I I knew him through through uh, yeah, like through Yeesh stuff, and we had we had met like several times in the past, and then like I think when we put out like our first song. Um, our, our first well, not it wasn't our first song, but like our first thing that was like Maybe after our songs. demos, mm-hmm. yeah. A- after three songs, we did like a single called "People Pleaser," and, yeah. and which was for that pile tour that we put that out. And I and I just like had, I uh, Dan did a write up on it uh, for Post Trash, or I asked him about that, and um and yeah, I think we like we pitched him changes bad, and he, I don't think he had like he wasn't able to do it. And then I think like much later, I was like I don't know, I was like I was like tweeting about putting out about like recording some new stuff for a stack and he, he kind of slid into the DMS and was like, Hey, like, mm-hmm. let me, let me release this. And I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Um, change is bad. You recorded at jam deck in Chicago. That shit sounds so good. Yeah. Doug, uh, Malone for sure really killed it on, on like the recording for that record. Yeah. He's, he, he, he has, he's, yeah, he's he, like has a, a, a big part in that record and, and, you know, the, the sonic flavor of it um yeah he he's yeah he's, he's a great engineer that's a wonderful studio um i love it over there um but yeah he yeah i, I think that like working with him and then david Trano in the mix uh was like a really good combo um mm-hmm. and um yeah i think that um i don't know i feel like that record sounds um i don't know yeah it's i i drums I, on it sound fucking great yeah, they do. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, and like, yeah, I think you just like, yeah, nailed it with all, with all that stuff. I, I feel like it, it sounds different than like what I think the band sounds like now, or like it's like I think I would make that record differently now. But I'm still really mm-hmm. happy with the way it sounds, and it sounds yeah. really cool. Oh, it's just got such great texture too. Um, I feel like there's not much overdubbing. I know you played bass and guitar, but like the dynamics that you guys hit, like on a like invisible wall it's just fucking tremendous thank you yeah yeah that that's it's a real like four-piece rock record you know um and uh yeah there's not like really the most fancy thing that happens is like on anniversary there's like three guitars happening and that's about it um Mm -hmm. 
uh, but yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty mellow. Um, uh, in, in that regard, like compared to like content, like the EP that's after that, which is like a, a lot of like synths and like kind of production stuff happening. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is, I don't know. I like, I like both ways of making music, you know, they're both fun. Yeah. Dude, I just, I love the fucking way that you and Donnie play off of each other. I mean, throughout the band, but like, especially change of sound just with the way those clean tones sound too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It, it's definitely like, that, that's definitely been like a, uh, I don't know. I, I, I mean like Donnie wasn't really playing with much of anything at the time. And, um, uh, and I am, uh, like, I think I'm, yeah, I, I, I think I, I was trying to have this be like a more minimal pedal band. And then, I don't know, I think mm-hmm. I wound up just have wound up like getting more and more stuff, but yeah, like that, the kind of like harsh, clean, yeah. uh aggro clean kind of thing is is what what is uh yeah what 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 is uh, i i just like there a big a big touchdown for stuck is this band landowner who um oh okay uh, i don't know that band there you would love if you like stuck you would love landowner yeah. cuz it's Fuck like yes. i i kind of think that stuck's like a landowner ripoff band to a certain degree um uh but he cuz yeah it's it's my it's my friend Dan Shaw um and he's he, or he's like the main songwriter in it they're like from western massachusetts but it's like this um uh we we uh, born yesterday's put out like uh, all the records and uh so there there's a lot to go back on there but it's like the I, I he he always talks about how he like kind of found that like when he actually was using less distortion in the band it actually made it sound like more intense and so mm. like they started like having like the, like this like aggressively clean sound on on like all their other stuff where like every there's like no distortion and everything's like kind of like you know just crystal clear and it's like it's a really unforgiving way of playing because you can hear every mistake. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, but it is, uh, it's, it's, it just, I feel like it like, you know, it, there's like nothing lost. You get like, it just, it's like so precise. And like, um, I think that like something that both stuck and landowner do is like, it's kind of like, you know, using not like, not that there's anything wrong with like, you know, having like, you know, big tone and, you know, like massive distortion and stuff like that. I love that stuff. Maybe that's what my new band will sound like when I uh, start another when band to open for friends. Open. <laughs> um but uh but but like you know i I think like both stuck and landowner like where it's like these kind of like needling like you know little like compositional things where it's like these you know these guitars are like kind of like you know weaving in and out and you know trying to you know uh keep keep make it make it sound overwhelming not through like volume but just through like complexity Um, yeah 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 it goes back to that dissonance though yeah right earlier yeah exactly and it's like that's that stuff is um yeah, like the the yeah that stuff I like learned about in college. Like I think like kind of comes comes to comes into play there. Yeah, it's funny the dynamics of um, you know and of stuck and your and your other projects because I think you know Yeesh just Yeesh is a band that didn't have a hook and stuck has a hook in there, but it's just not. It's just so sincere, it's so earnest that it's like yes, I sign me up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I, I gotta, yeah. And, and in, in terms of the hooks too, and I, I like, I feel like I don't do that. say this often enough, but like, I, I, I do have to like pay a lot of credit to like Mike, Mike Bellis from clearance because like, I think being in a band with him for so many years taught me a lot because like that guy is like a, just, he's like somebody who like really values like powerful songwriting and like, you mm-hmm. know, song craftsmanship. And I think that's like a thing that a lot of bands uh and like post-punk bands like miss out on it's like that you know you really have to like 
you you really have to like you know have a song and have something that like you know keeps people like coming back and has like you know movement and like hooks and stuff like that and yeah mike was like you know uh, mike's like one of the smartest people i know but like he's you know he's like like absolutely like you know brilliant with that stuff and and i think that like learning kind of like watching him work and his like kind of um, you know, paying attention to those songs and how they work and then kind of like trying to bring those ideas into something that was like a lot uglier, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and like, you know, more dissonant and weird was, um, you know, I think that's just like, you know, but I don't know, that's kind of like the, I feel like it took a long time to make a band like stuck. It's like really like, it's just one of those things where it's like, I don't know, like there's some, ba- I don't know, like, you know, Psycho Killer is like the first song that like you know Talking Heads wrote. You know, it's like some right. people like that, but like I right. I'm I really like love the music that like I'm making now. It's like the music that I like. You know, it's 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 like the music I'm like most proud of in in the course of my life. And um and uh, but it like took like a long time to get there. And I don't think it like literally would have existed if I you know without like all the component experiences in like Yishin clearance and um you know, uh, recording and call it, I don't know, everything we've talked dude, about. For last yeah, time. dude, it's, it, it's awesome to see you like soak this in too. And like, I loved do not reply to the single you put out in Thank October you. of last year. Your vocals sound insane Thanks. on it, which is great because then you got the queen of sounding insane Miranda Winters. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that, that song is funny. Cause like, um, I it literally it. sounds like it's slowed down at the beginning. I'm like, is this file playing at right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and we're a big like we're a big like recording to click band, and that's one that we didn't do to click, which is sort of uh-huh. makes it feel like a little bit more like you know unhinged and loose. It's supposed to sort of like feel like like a like a Burma song in, in my mind. Yeah, fucking exactly where I went. Oh, yep. awesome! I love that. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, I put verses on today, like getting ready for this conversation. Like, Dude, that's sick. Uh, fully. I, I I've been trying to convince my band to cover um uh what is it what, I, I just had it the oh, what's when I reached for my revolver not revolver that song I covered when I was in Academy high school Academy Fight Song yeah not Academy that... Academy Fight Song would be a good stunt cover but dude oh my god Max so Ernst good. that's what I was thinking of. that's a good track yeah <laughs> Max Ernst tattoo oh you do <laughs> fuck yeah that's yeah. awesome um uh. But yeah, that's um. But yeah, that that song was like funny. Like uh, David, I think I brought that song to the band, and David uh, really hated it. Um, and 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 I'm gonna throw him under the bus uh, by saying that. But but as you should. But like the the vocal melody was like I think I wrote that song right around when I was like working with Milk Belly at Riot Fest, and so I'd I'd been listening to a lot of Milk Belly lately, and uh, and so I. Uh, like wrote this vocal melody that had like the Miranda thing where she's like singing along with like the lead that she's playing. And so mm-hmm. it's like this like super unison that's happening and which I, I love when they do that. And um, so that's like how, like kind of how the vocal melody was and David hated it. And I, I, I think as a bit, I was, I think as a bit, he was like, if we can get Miranda to sing on that song, then like, <laughs> we can do it. And then I asked Miranda and she was like, yeah, absolutely. And so then, ha ha. Fuck you, David. <laughs> so, twenty twenty three, we working on any anything new? Um, yeah, I there's I I feel like I don't know. Yeah, I, obviously, I probably can't talk about it, but there's but more stuck is on the way. More we, stuck is on the way. We, we are we are we're uh the at stuck HQ is is working day and night, um, cranking out the riffs and uh, you know bringing the heat to the um 
uh, to the recording process. But yeah, no, we're we're working on stuff, and we'll, we'll have something out this year. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited for that. It's like uh, it'll be it'll be good. Uh, and then we're gonna we're gonna play shows. I don't know. We're uh, yeah, that's that's kind of like I guess like the most I can really say about it right now, and the mo- the most ambiguous terms. It sounds like a lot of excitement, a lot of things to look forward to. I've been looking forward to this for some time, dude. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me on, Tim. And I'm really, this has been super fun and awesome to talk to you. And thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Lobos, that's all for this week. Check out Stuck on Bandcamp, stuckchai.bandcamp.com. You can find Greg's engineering portfolio at gregobis.com, betteryetpod.com, betteryetpodcast at gmail.com for anything, anything. We'll see you next week. Thanks, folks.